So what's my angle in competition? Be friends with them. Share what you failed. Try try let them succeed. And that's honestly been one of the best things I've done in 15 years is just be close to the competition, share as much, celebrate them and let and try help them grow and then they send it back. It's like a good juju online, whatever you want to call it. It's um it really does come back to you and the vibes are good. There are like I think three ways to handle competition. One, hate them. Number two, ignore them. And I think you just kind of the the most difficult thing is love them. Embrace them. Celebrate them. Welcome to the Undefeated Underdogs podcast where I unpack and narrate stories of ambitious people who turn obstacles into opportunities. My goal for this podcast is to create a platform to narrate underdog stories and maybe play a small teeny tiny role in inspiring you. I intend to highlight the underdog mentality and make authentic conversations with people who play the long game, take action with the chip on their shoulder and convert obstacles into opportunities. Buckle up as I'll be bringing some authentic founders, VCs, community builders and content creators who got underestimated their whole lives and yet they beat all the odds to become insanely successful. Now, today I want to tell you a little bit about our awesome sponsor acquire.com. Selling a business is as tough as building a business. As someone who went through this process once, selling my own startup, I know the pain it takes to get to the end zone. This is where our sponsor shines. Imagine this. You're a founder who's built a solid SaaS product, acquired customers and generating consistent monthly revenue. The problem is you're not growing for for whatever reason. Lack of focus, lack of skill or just plain lack of interest and you feel stuck. What should you do? The story I'd like to hear is you buckled down, somehow reignited the fire, get past yourself and the clichés and start working on your business rather than just in the business. You start building an audience, move out of your comfort zone to do sales and marketing, and in 6 months you triple your revenue. The reality isn't as simple. Situations may be different from every founder facing this crossroads, but too many times the story ends up being one of inaction and stagnation until the become business, the business becomes less valuable or worse. worthless if you find yourself here or your story is likely headed down a similar road i offer you a third option consider selling your business on acquire.com capitalizing on the value of your time is a smart move acquire.com is free to list and they've helped hundreds of founders already go to try.acquire.com/sharath and see for yourself if this is the right option for you now let's get into today's episode If there is a guru of landing page that can teach you the art of building an amazing landing page this is the guy my next guest is is someone who mastered the art of designing developing kind of like you know conceptualizing strategizing landing page for more than what 10 years and i can't wait to like dig into this conversation with him he's the founder of one page love which is the home of some of the best 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 landing pages on the planet he also hosts this podcast called yo so simple right yep. that features designers developers founders entrepreneurs and my god this guy is amazing i've been i've been a very 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 big fan of you know 
this guest who's who's inspired me so much in my making of side projects it's none other than rob hope rob how are you feeling today welcome to the show thank you for the intro very humble this is very kind words and you know also just great to hear you've been getting value out of the stuff i've been putting out there for a very long time you know i'm sitting here in the bottom of africa and this is why i love doing these podcasts it's just like you know you're in the states you know hometown of india we you know we have this common love for cricket and you know yes. we have a common love for design podcasts so here we are and i'm very grateful you asked me to be on your show yeah the world is very small rob right right like you mm. know we, we we never knew what we're going to end up with or what who are going going to meet up with right that's the serendipity that you know i that's the kick i get when i do this podcast because like i said in the intro i've been like gosh i've been inspired by one page love so many times like you know every landing page i've built i've built 15 plus side projects by the way and all those all of them were completely inspired by you the work you put in wow. i just want to put that out in your mind because you know you make a tremendous impact on people especially who are like you know buildings on the side like who are like who's solo who's doing doing everything all by themselves they don't have a team you've been a massive massive impact i'm sure like you've, you've impacted on startups as well but just want to put that out here before we start and uh, appreciate you appreciate you rob you know always been a big fan uh, cricket yes we should definitely you know chime in a little bit about that if we that. had 3 hours but, uh, we could just get into um favorite players of all time but we don't um but thank you for the <laughs> kind words um yeah one page love it's been a huge chunk of my life there's no question about it 15 years ago i started the site mm. and you know i was scratching my own itch then but then through the years the more i realized that the more i invest in the site the more i'm saving other people time and when wow. i create time saving online that's where value is and that's when mm. people return and then you can start getting really creative with monetization and we'll get into it now but i'm just saying is that the stories of of time saving for other people and how they appreciate when they're looking for references and then they arrive at my site those are the stories that honestly just keep me going it's not it's definitely not for the money and that's why i just wow. thank you so much for that story no no i think it seems like 2008 is when one page love the first time you know you introduced that to the world let's get dive into the conversation uh, before that rob i just want to mention this rob went full time on his side projects one page love your podcast after a decade of putting his work into freelancing that's amazing right like you know uh, it so the the reason i want to mention that is it takes a lot of time a decade in all words it takes a decade to build a career so you have to put into work repeat rinse and you kind of become better and that's where like you know you take a so i want to talk about the leap i just want to add there in that 10 years it's not exactly about just building one thing it's like i was trying lots right. of things and yes a lot of them i thought would be the next big thing that i would be working on for a very long time and this is while one page right. love still going on but i would you know mm. have an idea shiny object syndrome call it what you want but i would have an idea i'd launch it and then it would get attraction and then it would fail and through that right. learning through reinvesting it back into one page love back into another project right. 
going down that road, learning a little bit. So the biggest takeaway is that, yes, you can put all your eggs in one basket for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much the reason why One Page Love is bigger than a lot of the competition is that I've added content to it pretty much every single day for 15 years. And that alone, you know, just that, call it reps, and that alone will separate you from a lot of people. But it's yeah. the failing forward, and it's it's about being vulnerable. It's about you know just putting yourself out there, building public, and then failing, and then people are like, hey, I, I you know I saw what you're trying to do. Um, this is what you do, being interactive. You know, there's many takeaways, but the reason why One Page Love is my full time job and that allowed me to quit freelance is because I worked on it every day, and I wasn't afraid of mm-hmm. failing forward. I love that. Not being afraid of failing, and moving forward let's talk about that for a minute where does one get the courage to do that like failure is such a bitch right it stinks it it bites you hard it hurts it sucks and doing that for 10 years is no joke it's like you know it puts a lot of you have to have you have to find every fucking ounce of that courage in your body to go take another step how rob hope found courage in the last 10 years so an easier way to approach this i mean yes you can pull courage from you know many macro things around you but when you try and create a project to solve your own problems that's a really easy way to start because no matter the outcome it's going to be a success for yourself And the more you invest into something to help you save you time, and for me, just to give a little context on why I started One Page Love, is that I was building WordPress websites for clients, HTML websites, and they would give me half a page Word document of content. And they would say, Rob, please build me a five-page website. And I would always go, why five pages? He's like, that's what everyone else has. And that's the standard. So I was starving for references of, of brands and apps that were telling their story and persuading the user to take action within the same page. So I was looking one-page website, single-page website, couldn't find anything. So what do you naturally do? And I guess it's, it's also the little entrepreneurial bone I have in my body. I, I, I had to scratch my own itch and I created the resource that I felt that the internet was lacking. So I created and I started off very light. You know, you look back at the site now in 2008 and how WordPress even looked, it was, yeah, it's not the nicest thing to look at, but you, I, I was consistent. I would add references. I would add tags. I would add categories and I would start filling them up very slowly. And back then there was no curation because I, I, I would just add anything I could find because there's two goals here is that, the goal number one is that I'm trying to find references to single page websites that I can gather inspiration from, you know, to help create the designs for myself. But the second one is I need to convince my clients that this actually exists because they, they think the norm is a five page website. So I right. needed to say like, hey, you want an iPhone app landing page? Here's 12 references. Take a look at them. What do you like out of each of them? So I started to create these references. And sure, there were other inspiration galleries out there that, you know, I also got a lot of 
you know, influence from, and I, you know, huge respect to a lot of them. There was, you know, I think it was a Zen garden and there was, there was a lot of good ones back then, but the niche one page websites, some of them eventually got the categories, the subcategories with one pages and so on. But I just stuck with a niche. Many times I was thinking maybe I should make it bigger, but it's sticking with my niche was very important for the site's success. Um, you know, I've sort of owned that narrative of being one page. And, you know, to mm. answer your question about where did I get the courage to, you know, fail, it's, it's like I couldn't really ever fail with One Page Love because I kept building sites for clients and I kept trying to give them references within my own resource. And what I started to realize over time, and this is like a little bit of value I can add for anyone who's, you know, got that side project in the back burner that's maybe not doing so well, is that you need to ask yourself, you know, when a visitor finds you through Google and they arrive at their site, you know, they, they're presented with the current site right now, but what could you do? How much, how much value could you just add? Like one extra little thing, what would be really useful? And then just add that, you know, just incremental over time, over time. So what I did with One Page Love, just made the search a little bit better make the screenshots a little bit crisper. Then all of a sudden, mm. websites used to redesign and go offline. Then all of a sudden, my references aren't that good anymore. So then I would take a full long scrolling screenshot so it would preserve the reference. So now it provides even better value. So out of the right. 8,000 sites on the, you know, right now, maybe 5,000 have long scrolling retina screenshots. Crisp, you can see the textures, you can see the drop shadows. Um, wow. So what it does is it, it just provides more value. So that's the, the big takeaway. So it's like sort of a non-answer to about failing in public, but when it comes to your side project, when it's scratching your own itch and you, and you keep referring to and you keep adding more value and people now return, people say, hey, have you seen One Page Love? There's some really good references there. Traffic builds. Right. Google loves you because you are adding more content. People are linked, linking to it. Start to monetize. That's the, mm -hmm. that's the long game here. But when it comes yeah. to an idea on the side, because, you know, like I'm very guilty of shiny object syndrome and, you know, while doing the client thing, I created another website called Case Converter. And this was way back before it was native within all the software we have in operating systems. But, you know, I bought caseconverter.com. I got a friend to help me code up the JS. I designed this really cheesy wet floor logo. And mm. there it was, but that was a side project. And again, useful, using it, using it. How can you fail? You can't because it's something right. I'm using every day. So when it, when it right. got into failure land was, you know, when we got more ambitious and one of probably the biggest fails I've had is I teamed up with two friends in the UK. I, I, had, a, um, I had built a magazine website for them when I was doing freelance. It was it was a great music magazine. It did really well as well. And it had a lot of downloads of the PDFs every month and so on. And we were like, hey, we should try create Facebook, but for music. So it was a social network, but just aimed at people wow. who loved music. And I landed up going to the UK. We got investment. I'm talking, I'm wearing suits, drinking green tea at Heathrow. <laughs> And honestly, at that time, I told pretty much most of my friends that like, this is going to be the next biggest thing. You know, I'm, I'm mm. going to like, I'm, I was young, you know, I was in my twenties and I was like, we're going to make it. 
you know, like this mm. is it guys, like full confidence, putting yourself out there. I think another element to your answer is that you sort of have to believe that it's going to, going to do well as well. Because if you don't have that belief, then maybe you're never going to push through when it gets super low and dark. Because you know that's happening, especially when you're building out a social network and you need validation right. and so on. When The bigger the site, I guess, the more risky it's going to be for that real trough. Um, and again, so how do you push through? Where do you get the courage? You just got to say, I'm, I'm a human being. This is something I believed in. I love music. The whole process, right. like, you know, being in the suit, having pitch decks, learning about... Right you know, building the dev and social, like also outsourcing. That was a huge lesson learned. So again, the big takeaway is failing forward because, you know, we failed so hard, but I yep. extracted easily a dozen lessons I've put back into One Page Love. I put back into the next projects. I put into projects that I've sold and made money from, all from right. that one experience. So where does right. the courage come from? Just know that if you're working on something that you are passionate about, and it's something that maybe you, you, you're unfamiliar with that you know you're going to learn. You're going to bank that learning. You're going to bank that experience and you're going to reinvest it in the next thing you do. So it's a fail forward. Right. Yeah. yeah. I love the fact that uh, you're doing this for yourself, right? And you're your own first customer. And I think there is a beauty in that because uh, you don't need motivation because it's for yourself. Uh, if you if you have external factors, then you need motivation to like you know pursue or wake up every day to like you know work on them. And the best way to build something for others, but basically like build something people want is to build something for yourself. Hundred percent. I think you're like a true testament for that. Uh, you know, statement for ten years doing the same thing, but becoming one person. But I love the fact that you just said. I just changed this one screenshot update to another thing. Like, you know, that small, small, like a, like a change, one degree change. Looking back 10 years, it's like a massive, massive, gigantic, uh, huge leap that, you know, people will think that, oh, wow, this guy is like legend. No, the legend <laughs> no. was made in those tiny little details, right? I love that. And I think you sort of, I don't know if you realize, one page love is like a, like a way back machine, you know. Oh yeah. In a way. I'm glad you're mentioning right? this. Right. I I love the fact that for for some reasons, you know, some of the times I just go to one page love to see what people have built like five six years ago, or even like ten years ago. Hey, what was like their mindset? Like maybe there is like an inspiration there. So it's like a way back machine for landing pages in a way. So probably I don't know if you have it. Uh, it's been like you know. Uh, it's been. It would be like a great idea if you do like a wayback machine for landing page. Just have like one section featuring websites from 2008. Like, so that would be an amazing. And you're saying project, the same I websites, or just websites yeah, yeah. from 2008? The same exact domain. Same thing. Yeah. It's like wayback machine powered by one page love. I'm going to. I'm. I'm for sure. It's going to get like a lot of. Uh, so you know, I gotta add. To... I mean, I'm I'm so stoked you're saying this. So you know, in my idea bin, call it my idea book, my idea bin, I have a hundred folders. You know, like screenshots, <laughs> ideas, a lot of stuff that never got greenlit. And definitely one of them was the incremental changes of 
different mm. app designs. I mean, you call it, there yeah. was an industrial idea I had to it, like how did the phone evolve? Um, and mm -hmm. I know people have done this. So anyway, to, to go back, to circle back to what you were saying is that I always am asking, how can I provide as much value as I can on One Page Love? You know, we've got more revenue now. I've got a few people right. helping me with a little bit of admin on the wings using Upwork. Um, I've got right. someone that pretty much does screenshots for me every day. Uh, we won't mm -hmm. we won't get into like the difficulties of of screenshots and how like we really take a lot of pride in making them perfect. And there's mm -hmm. no automated tools that exist out there that can get to the quality I'm after. But mm. a big question is that how can someone still get the inspiration of a website when it has redesigned to a multiple page website, or if it or if it goes offline or if the business doesn't exist anymore? So the answer there, and like this is through asking people over many many years. And the mm. answer is like, yes, you can take a screenshot, sure. Another way you can do it is you can uh, capture a video. You know, you scroll through it and it's like you show the animations and so on. And as much as I've seen a couple of websites like Godly websites and, you know, they're doing an amazing job there. But personally, I, I don't like absorbing a new design at someone else's pace. I don't want I don't want someone else to scroll. Like if I see something I like, for example, a testimonial section, I want to stop there. And a video is really bad at doing that. Um, you sort of have to pause right. the video, scroll back up, and so on. So how can I experience the one-page website that has now offline and it's linking elsewhere? So what we've been doing is we have been downloading every website. Our last two thousand websites, we've downloaded all the code. We're using a, a a Chrome plugin called uh, FullPage.js, I think, something like that. It's a Chrome plugin. What it does is it basically, you know, inlines everything. So it's not perfect. Mm. A lot of the stuff that uses the external libraries, it, it like tries to pull it all in, but it's surprisingly very good. So what you can get now is you can get hover interactions on certain things. You can definitely, wow. you know, select text. Um, you can see beautiful animations, even when those you know, CDNs have gone offline and so on. It's like all within one, and the whole thing, it's one HTML file. There's not going to be mm. a million libraries. The problem with Wayback Machine and, you know, Wayback Machine is absolutely incredible, especially for podcast research, which we'll get there. But is that mm. when there's an external image library is that often it goes offline and then your Wayback Machine reference is just text and like placeholders. So what I'm trying to do yeah. is I've been trying to combat that. So I'm going to throw it right here right now. The legality of it all is like, it's not great. I'm still trying to get my head mm. around it. It's not, I haven't told anyone about this yet. I've like, I literally have the 2000 that have been doing it. And if, if it also it's manually done because the automated tools mm. can sometimes preserve a website and okay. the backup is really bad. And then what happens when it's offline? Then all of a sudden they go to just a terrible looking backup and they're like, one page love sucks. So right. everything gets a curation. The backup's good. It provides better inspiration than the screenshot. That's sort mm. of like the baseline. So what we do now is that we have dead link reports and um, it crawls our site through all the inspiration links. And when we get four or fours, we go into every single one of them. And then we, we, we just double check like, yeah, there's a four or four. And then we tick a category called offline. Okay. Now mm. what that does is it'll have a fallback saying, if preserve is found, then swap out the inspiration link with the preserved CDN site. So awesome. right now there's, there's probably like 
it's not a lot, but there's probably about a hundred one pages now that are loading through our CDN that have been completely redesigned. And the whole point here is that I, you know, it's answering that question back to the ri mm. original question of like, how can we provide value is that people are now staying within the website. They're arriving, they're looking right. for app references and now they're getting a, right. an animation. They're staying there, staying there, staying there. So the legality right. though, I still am unsure. They, no one has told us that they didn't like that, but there's email addresses that get scraped, you know? There's like maybe mm. people are, are no longer part of a yeah. team and they don't want to be a part of that team. So right. the takedown is very easy for us, um, but we haven't got there yet. And yeah, we're still trying to work out how much we want to promote it. So maybe it's like there's a big bar at the top that said, hey, this is because the Waymac machine is pretty good at that as well. saying, you know, we are trying our best here. Yeah, I think people will understand. And I'm stoked uh, that you are already you know, putting that idea into, into work, like, you know, so I'm Haven't excited to like, you know, yeah, this probably like two weeks from now, everybody will know after <laughs> they listen to the podcast. Uh, you briefly mentioned about manual curation, which is, I think yeah. the most important thing when it comes to quality, you know, these automation tools, even I'm building this research tool called guest lab. It's not yeah. perfect. That's, that's the first thing I tell to people. It's not perfect but it'll give you a head start. Like all these 100%. AI tools, all these automation tools, they're going to help you start at step three or step five instead of you taking step one, right? That's the 100%. whole point of these tools in my opinion. And, but when it comes to one page love type of businesses, it requires human level of yes. uh, involvement. Talk to me about the, the importance, A, Number one, in how did you maintain that for a decade? How, like close, like in 20, 2008 to till now, what is the standard that you've been reassuring? Not just for you, by the way. I think One Page Love, in a way, is kind of also inspiration for a similar type ideas, right? And yeah. they, they might have like a blueprint that you gave when it comes to curation. So, so talk to me about like... Yeah. How did you lay down rules for curation? Great question. So, you know, design, fairly subjective. Um, you know, a lot of sites are trying to look the same. You know, trends come and go. And when it comes to curation, I, I do feel I've got a slightly different attitude to the other inspiration galleries out there. And there's a lot of really good designers, and I'll I'll say this out loud: is that they don't they don't see One Page Love as a a very highly curated site design wise. I'm talking about like the best designers out there, because I know for a fact is that not every site is beautifully designed. But what I'm trying to cater for is I'm trying to help people get the inspiration for the for the certain niche categories they're after. And when it comes to you know, a certain level of design where there's abundance of portfolios, the curation level is very high. It's like if your portfolio does not look spectacular or at least has something unique about it, because I write about every design. I try and tell someone like, hey, this person has a sticky footer and it's really unique because, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, it needs to be remarkable because there's an abundance. I can add the same, you know, beautiful long scrolling portfolio a thousand times and i feel like the value gets a little bit diluted like that so what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to fill those other categories so there's categories for example like course landing pages um i don't it's it's obviously a big topic right now but i don't have 
that many references. You know, I think I have 20 or 30. I would love to have 50. And so an example is that someone will submit a course landing page. And if it's, if, if it's got something, you know, really, if it feels comprehensive, it's got a good um, explainer video, chapters are clear, and it's call to actions are great. But the design's like okay-ish, still good. It's going to get in. Um, nonprofit websites. I'm, I'm, on a, I'm on a hunt for them. So also, a, a one, because nonprofit websites are mainly multi-page, but a single-page nonprofit difficult so i'm going to lower the barrier to curation there's also something i don't really talk about so that's why it's not just like an there's no like framework really of what exactly gets in but 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 is that when i start getting a little sloppy and i have done this in the past with a little bit more automation and you know not checking things that well you know maybe when one page love was in early days is that you know, people, the community messages and they're like, Hey, you know, what's like, what's happening, man. This site's like, the site was okay. And it's amazing. It's because they care. And that's a huge, huge red flag for me. And that was amazing. Part of one page loves journey is that people are messaging me going like, Hey dude, like what's happening here? You know, have you hired someone or, um, we got really bad with tags once upon a time. I got users to submit tags. So tags we treat as features. And if someone has a testimonial block, for example, that's the testimonial tag. We have testimonial slider. We have Twitter testimonials. You know, there's lots of different, you know, sub tags, but I would, I would allow users when they submitted their URL to just add, like add 20 features in the sites. And then when I hit publish, it would just add those without curation. And that was a massive, massive, massive mistake. Next thing you know, our tags mm. were misspelt. Um, you know, we, we, I originally had, I think, 10,000 features. I cut that down to, to like 1,800. And that was a huge improvement in quality. So the takeaway there sort of is like, how do we decide on a level of curation? You have to ask users. You have to, how's your experience? Um, when you are building your own websites as well, like I, I'm literally building landing pages and then I will look for like I'll search client logos. I want to see where the client logo sits on the page. Is it above the fold? Is it below? I'm searching that. I'm wondering, hmm, these screenshots aren't exactly showing client logos that clear in the search results, you know? So that's what that, you know, that's when we think, how can we do a better job with this? So there's certain components and landing pages we're actually trying to zoom in and spotlight. And that's a dedicated UI section that I'm I'm still working on. It's very much beta. But again, if you start adding testimonials to a UI section and the design is quite poor or they look the same, that's when the whole experience is, is, is mm. going to be poor. And then don't forget as well is that when it comes to, um, you know, let's use an example of testimonials. When there's maybe 50 different testimonial designs, but within that we have 500 of the same style, all the unique ones and the ones that are remarkable are going to get diluted. It's like they're going to just wash away yep. the uniqueness of the gallery so i've seen other competitors out there have you know 500 contact forms and it's like what <laughs> what inspiration is that is that um providing like what do we want to know when we actually and step in the shoes what do we want to see when we're looking for contact form design references and the answer mm -hmm. off the top of my head is like i want to see the different at least the different styles like you they need to be unique um i don't want to see the same contact form with a different color it's like, what's remarkable? I want to see big buttons. I want to see buttons when, you know, stacked uniquely. So 
often when it comes to a reference to kind of round this up is that on one page love we if the design is spectacular it's in if it's unique if there's something very you know remarkable about the design like wow they, they took a risk i want to talk about it i want to show you maybe the design's not that good like think of brutalist design like some people say this is an absolutely mm -hmm. awful trend but at the same time they take risks and that's that's worth you know like writing about that's worth sharing um so yeah it's a blend so to answer your question in a non non-direct way it's very subjective <laughs> it is are people sure. taking risks let's get them in let's spotlight them and the rest right. is like just high high quality design i love the fact that you you've mentioned kind of like the criteria is unique that's it yeah like you know instead of instead of showing the same thing in a different style uh which is which is fine with different colors and all that but i think if if the concept is conceptualized and implemented in a unique way that is i think you know that triggers inspiration i love the fact that you relied on that as a matter of fact i just want to share my experience i started building side projects based on curation completely so there is it's it's such a curation is such a such a beautiful thing because a it is going to improve your taste so you're kind of relying on your taste as an individual and it two part part uh, b is you kind of find people who are in the same taste when you put that out right so i love True. that's why i love one one page love is like hey even though i don't i know i never met this guy before rob and i have a same taste you know what i'm saying like there is that community angle to it like that's why i feel curation projects yes. are so important and i think it's the best way to start if you're like an indie maker if you were like just young trying to like you know tinker things around it's best to like put your taste out so uh i love i love i love curation projects and i think that's how i started my own journey by putting my taste out and you know in a way selfishly i want to do that back and back and again and again and again so that i can improve mm -hmm. as a i can improve my own taste right like that there is there is a selfish reason uh for yeah. that and i love the fact that you relied on community that's amazing right uh yeah. i think one thing you also kind of i don't know if you intentionally solved is that you've opened up this submissions for one page mm. love now you have inbound of flow of like websites that you can pick and choose so yep. you're also kind of like becoming like a decision maker not just like you know gathering information so it's another way of solving curation because you once reach to a level you kind of like you know welcome people and you know oh yeah. wow this guy is really good these these guys are really you know bad or they have to improve more so uh i love that i i think it's it's so fascinating to see that you did that for 10 years or more right that's so important so one of the problems i feel and i faced you know many times before curation is a slippery slope once you go in that route there is like it's a rabbit hole you see like thousands of thousands of things you kind of divert you've talked about this previously in your answer that you stayed within the niche which yes. is one pagers period right yes so i want to i'm curious to know have you ever kind of felt like or tempted yourself to go beyond one page 
what were some of the ideas like it, it can clearly be product hunt for landing pages in a way right you can basically build like a same upward type system where people can yeah. submit you can moderate instead of like you know put heavy heavy uh, you can literally offload a lot of these things to community so have you ever like kind of diverted or you you went back you know what i'll stay with my own niche so talk to me about those experience in the last what like 15 years 100% so you know i was really obsessed with footers website footers and i bought footer love <laughs> and i love, and I love we, that i teamed up with a friend and you know again when you greenlight a project you also ask yourself like sure you love footers you love the idea of collecting good footers you love the idea of saving other people time because you're going to just showcase them really good footers there's like there's a lot there maybe you build up a list maybe that list you can now cross promote to one page love um another green light there is that because one page love is growing this so this ultra niche site has a better chance of success because i already have a community of niche people so there's a lot happening there when it comes to green lighting and the idea of sub niches but 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 is that the green light for me is i got to work with a friend on it and you know one page love has always been me it's like i I've, i've thought of partnering but it gets very complicated because it's like really my life and i don't want to ever get in a situation where it gets awkward and i have to sell it or anything but with footer love i teamed up with a friend and he was a, just a much better designer than me and he created this brilliant logo and we had textures and we actually used like shoelaces and the page dividers and like we got so creative so here we are just having an absolute hoot with a niche 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 website just collecting website footers and it got to the stage where you know you look at the traffic and you're like wow one page love i don't know what it is then you know like now we have about 150,000 people a month that come there but just say back then we had 50,000 and the footer site had 500 you know and then it's like you're putting in quite a lot of time on the footer site and the traffic sort of plateaus and then you 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 kind of like this actually you know the footers are okay i was really fascinated with launching the site but am i willing to go through the dip with it and just keep adding it so you know then your partner goes oh, i'm not so into this anymore and you like do you want to take the server and we landed up selling it so we sold it to someone who also like footers but mm-hmm. also like to answer your question like have i dabbled i'm always thinking of niche sites i just i'm born like that i love the idea like creation like curation like you said but i made i made call it a mistake call it a massive fail forward in my life i, I don't regret doing it but i had the assumption that everything i'd learned from one page love and i have experimented with so many different ways of monetizing and i got it to a pretty healthy you know phase where i could quit freelance you know so i had successfully done that i had created a, a project from 0 to 1 from nothing and monetized it to surpass my cape town expenses that i don't have to do freelance anymore so like i give myself that credit for sure but i honestly had the confidence that i could do it again and i was like i can do this for email email marketing is so similar to to landing pages as um matthew smith from really good emails uh he yep. tagged it he's like emails are landing pages delivered and they are very mm. they are very similar they i thought i know how to tag them i know how to create good search i know how to optimize for speed the website's going to look so similar 
Um, everyone who has a landing page is pretty much going to be involved in email marketing. So I was like, the cross promotion is amazing. The launch of it, I got very creative. Uh, you know, we were taking emails and we were stripping out the the links with them, and then we were sending the images to Amazon, but that was going via tiny png and it was like optimizing them so emails were even faster on our website than they were delivered to you like and we had so much fun with that it was like wordpress plugins and next thing you know you can resize an email on our website on email love it was a brilliant source of inspiration Mm -hmm. and don't forget unlike a one pager that goes offline is that now this website is preserved sorry this email is preserved forever we've got the screenshot Mm. we've got the html code You can resize it to mobile. We even had buttons where you mm. could disable images just to see what the fullback text would look like. Like we got so creative. It was, it was, a, it was really, I was really proud of the site. So just with everything going on, podcast, a um, couple of little side projects on the side, one page love carries it to grow, but email love is just sort of plateauing. Um, mm. I put in a, f- a bit more time. It's not growing. Then really good emails, which was the biggest competitor at the time, just totally redesigns. You know, I chatted to the guys at the time. They're just such cool dudes. And they were saying when mm. I started to build in public with email love, because they all knew one page love. They're saying when I started to build in public on email love, they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, like, guys, um, we got to really start, like, you know, getting this going again. And they created such a brilliant version too of their website. It is fantastic. Mm. So when they launched that, and you could save emails to your account. They had a Chrome plugin. Um, I just was like, I don't have the energy to even go here. Like their inspiration is amazing. <laughs> um, I was adding one email every two days because I was, you know, trying to cu- curate really right. high. I feel like the curation's okay. Mine is probably a little bit higher, but they were adding something like five hundred a week or something. So their categories wow. are just filling up. There's a team of five of them. Um, I'm by myself. But One Page Love is my main baby. So here I am with a site that's growing. And I have so much to do on One Page Love still. I can write tutorials. Um, I'm, I'm just doing an ebook. Ebook did really mm-hmm. well. And here's email mm-hmm. love. And I'm going, and, and, and it's amazing. Like the dip will really, really, really tell you how you feel about your side project. Because every single project, anyone listening right now, is that your project will launch. Your friends, your colleagues will say, great job, man. It's going to get shared. It's going to get that boost in traffic. It's going to get signups, but it's going to hit this dip. And there's a lot of writing about this, but when you hit that dip, you are going to know exactly how you truly feel about that subject. And for me, when I hit that dip, I just thought to myself, I'm overwhelmed with information right now. And I don't love email. Like if it was one macro thing, it's like, and I'm here I am just going through emails and do I want to grow a team? So I had this big idea because One Page Love, you know, started to really take off. And my dream was like, I'm going to create a network of inspiration sites. So answer your question, like this is exactly what you were asking is that I, I was trying to negotiate type love. I was going to do typography sites. Um, that was such a difficult domain to get. I didn't get it. Um, UI love, UX love. I got UX love. I got email love. I was you know the the it goes on and i had this idea i hired someone all of a sudden we were creating a lot of content but it was just so exhausting i was just checking the content work you would put five hours there was five hours not in the site that's doing really well that the more you put in there the better it does so 
to answer your question is that I guess the green lights in that love network decision, I really learned a lot. I, I can't say I regret that. But having less projects right now, just having one page love and then focusing on the podcast, and that's it. Having that narrative for me is it, just so much, so much sweeter being a solo guy. You know, like I, yeah. I, I thought growing a team was something I'd want to do, but having freedom and being able mm. to just not be online for five days and one page love still mm. has, you know, 6,000 people that come every day, it's, it's a mm. rad feeling. Um, checking yeah, yeah, people's yeah. work, going, I don't like how you took that screenshot. Yeah. It's just, a ma- I'm the massive bottleneck. And I guess it's also fault to me being a bit of a perfectionist as well with, with growing a team. Anyway, yeah. I hope that answers your question. It's like, there's a lot yeah, yeah, yeah. of um, reflection I've done since trying to grow the network. Um, yeah. And I failed forward, failed hard in this one, put a lot in that. Yeah. I think one of the important qualities especially for slow solopreneurs uh founders who are doing all by by themselves is self-awareness it's generally mm-hmm. like one of the best skills people should have own founders entrepreneurs it's because you have to have this detachment to the thing that you love because you basically have to make a better choice to move on from it like how you did with you know a couple of projects you just mentioned yeah and find that you know find the choice where you you can only focus on one thing and that's it like you know that's the end of it and i feel it's hard it's freaking hard it's always tempting to do more less is enough right you know they say less is enough but it's so freaking hard to be in that mindset for for a consistent time uh i'm I'm glad that you kind of shared the lows you know of your journey as well which is i think really important that that kind of it's not like always you build something it you know, like you said it's going to go like you know bonkers you know you have to you'll you'll end up in the slump and you can't kind of overcome it uh, if i can if i can add talk- just one thing there is yeah. that a, a great bit of advice is that when you're about to go on this adventure on this side project is just ask yourself how does the exit look if you actually decide that this is not for you anymore you know are you building right. this up so partnerships are obviously a very difficult thing but a but an easy thing is that if you actually tell your partner hey maybe one day i'm not going to mm. be doing this anymore maybe i get a job or so on um would you be willing to take this over and if that's like an easy yes then great you know that's gonna you can have fun with your partner and so on yeah. but for me it's like i didn't truly think of a lot of exits before i started and um another one just to add there is that when you see another site and you're like wow that's a cool idea but i'm pretty sure i can do that better and it doesn't mean you should do it you know it's like that literally means you're going to pull hours out of something you're doing already and you're going to try do it that and you're going to say do i truly want to sit through the dip on this you know even though this is a cool and i know i can get some traction but this is going to be part of my life for the next 10 years will i make money i mean that's another thing you can say nothing i've really no, no, money is not a big green light for me sure it's like it's a bonus but um with with a lot of projects people are like oh this is a quick buck and that's most of those are fails most of those are fails if someone's launched it before you there's a good chance that like they've they're gonna kind of get <laughs> you know that first mover advantage i'm talking about niche sites especially yeah yeah yeah, yeah. totally 100 percent. i think i'm with you 
in 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 your last answer you just mentioned a lot about i think competitors and there are so many other people that are doing similar things uh do you want to talk a little bit about or give advice about how do you not per se handle them but how do you be in your own path in your own road chasing your own dream without being distracted yeah. by you know by others it's it's also a super good question I, i you know i don't actually get asked that enough because as when you know this is like therapy for me you know what i mean i can really you know take it apart and you know i am competitive like you're talking about you know self awareness and stuff and it's like i am you know like i'm 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 not 20 anymore like i've really got to know myself especially building online and chatting to people and sharing fails it's, it's wonderful and i'm competitive you know so when i chat to someone and they tell me privately that you know one page love is like their favorite resource for landing pages for example um and then a month later they drop a, a twitter thread that are like these are my five favorite places to get landing page inspiration and then one page loves not in there at all and then it, you know what i mean it's it hurts it's like wow it hurts yeah you know, were, yeah what actually happened you know like were they trying to get something from me you know 50% of the times in a twitter dm someone's trying to get something from you instead of providing a lot mm-hmm. of value it's okay you know the mm-hmm. games it's difficult out there but acknowledge that it's fine it hurts it's cuz you care about it you know it's like you care like you're really proud of what you've done and for someone to tell you it's good and then all of a sudden tell everyone else that everything else is better it hurts and it's like that's okay so when you talk about competition i it's it's a tricky one because i definitely try not spend too much time fixating on on how they are doing but i want to see you know are they clever ways they monetized um you know what did they fail like let's use godly website for example like um Daryl's done an amazing job it it took off he's a fantastic designer um you know he deserves all the success he's had with it but i remember when he launched um a community section where i think you could save your references and i remember it was there and then it wasn't there and we got chatting in the in the in the comments as in the dms and he's just like yeah it didn't take off and like that's amazing so then i would go to him and go sorry the learning's amazing so and i would go to him and said dude i actually tried that years ago um and it really fell short i feel like people weren't really saving within the dashboard and then i think he was like i, w- I kind of wish i knew that a little bit sooner you know and like so what i've i've what i've done with competitors especially people that are spending a lot of their time trying to create these niche projects is i'm just trying to share as much as i can with them it's like i really wow. appreciate everything that anyone has shared within their niche ideas so when it comes to it if anyone wants to know anything i'm just it's like an open book so that's one part the second part is that you got to you got to celebrate them these are people that are taking risks these are people that also love what they're doing and they're curating so most people that are my competitors i i'm just trying to promote this stuff as well i remember harry drive from marketing examples like one of the first things he messaged me he's like dude we have like so much overlapping content when it comes to landing page conversion and you're just like sharing all my stuff like on mm-hmm. one page loves channel and he's just like dude thank you you know like and and since then we're rapping man 
he's told me like that didn't work. I'm telling you this didn't work. That worked. That worked. It's so wholesome. So what's my angle in competition? Be friends with them. Share what you failed. Try, try, let them succeed. And that's honestly been one of the best things I've done in 15 years is just be close to the competition, share as much, celebrate them and let, and try help them grow and then they send it back it's like a good juju online whatever you want to call it it's um it really does come back to you and the vibes are good man you just i always respect you but after this answer i kind of love you <laughs> it's just you, you gotta just... treat people like you'd want to be treated too and that's it it's the end of story i just like i would appreciate I love people you, too it's we're we're all gonna die one day. We're all you know we've got a limited time to do these things online. Let's just all support each other. That's it. Man, that's so profound, prolific. A lot many people treat competitors as enemies. They 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 develop this hatred, this negative tendencies towards them. There are like I think three ways to handle competition. One, hate them. Number two, ignore them. And I think you just kind of, the, the most difficult thing is love them. Embrace them, celebrate them. So I used to hate everybody who's like doing the same thing when I was, mm -hmm. when I started like, hey, this is not good. This is really bad for me. Being like, you know, self, it's like me, me, me. Then I learned uh, a way to like be neutral about it. Like, you know, it's kind of like, okay, it is what it is. Let, let me actually yeah, yeah. focus on my thing, not them. It's me. You just kind of upped the game. You're saying that that's not the end. It's like you have to go embrace them. You just make allies, not enemies. 100%. They're your allies. And I think, I think it's, it's in a way that life is a positive-sum game. It's not zero-sum. And I feel... That's why I think I'm I'm telling you again I love you for for delivering that answer and I think you just like opened like you know like a gate to, to in go my a bit head. deeper on on the three is that you know haters uh, yes it's unproductive sure but it's hate takes a lot of energy sure so does love sure but but hate is like you've now defined that you hate this thing and then next time you see it again it it affects you it affects you in a bad way takes away from you whereas like love just adds and it's it compounds and yeah. you know a lot of these people that i've now met them in real life and you know this would have been imagine i hated them and now i met them and then we we're speaking and like we hug and we we're like you know what have you been up to oh i did this i met this brand um it, it's just it's so much more wholesome to embrace them I'm so, so glad that I asked that question because I think, you know, it's such a profound, profound, profound thing. Uh, that is, I think, the biggest takeaway. If you, have, if, if you guys listening, I do have some questions. I don't think it's going to add this, this profoundness, but my gosh, you know, love you. Love you, Rob. A couple of more. You know, I know we're, we're on time, uh, but I want to ask about... Yeah, um, I'm all here. You're, you're, the, you're the kind of like master of you know, landing pages. So talk to me about the science behind building like a perfect landing page. If there is, there <laughs> exists like a perfect landing page, which I think there does, it doesn't because, you know, 
you just you can improve a lot so in your case you've you've viewed went through thousands and thousands of landing page over the over the last 20 years so you've designed you kind of you know curated them talk to me about the science of building a perfect landing page 100% so to go back to your original question about the perfect one i forget that saying maybe you can link to it but it's just you know perfection is when there's nothing left to take away and i feel like that's a good mindset to keep in the back you know while you're building you know is there anything left to take away from the site and i think you know the less is more attitude on landing pages is a good one to stick with but the secret to a good landing page is when you acknowledge who's visiting you know it's not about you you know you you know with your this, this is a good one it's like with your startup idea where you are trying to save podcasts time by you know creating you know suggestions for topics you know scanning their linkedin and stuff like like you're deep in the build but what's great is you are a podcaster hear me out it's like that's a great start but sometimes people are creating landing pages for products and they're not entirely using that product but they're so deep in the dev and what they're trying to do is that they're trying to you know explain their product with as much as possible like you won't believe it it does this this and this and this and this but you're not truly identifying with what someone would actually want to see in the page or read in a page to be persuaded to act so a really good landing page just to like kind of start this off is that it has sort of one objective it's just you're trying to persuade the visitor to do one thing as soon as you're trying to persuade them to do two things it starts diluting sort of like you know all the text sort of competes with each other because some of the text is going to tell you sign up to our newsletter and the other one is like sign up to our SaaS. you know it's like buy our ebook but also check out our job board you know that's all within the same real estate so it's diluted efforts when there's more than one objective so once you've sort of decided what you want the page to do you know this sounds like all very trivial but you know truly if you were that person visiting try understand what they'd want to see and read in the page to be persuaded to act okay so like once you like and a really really healthy exercise is you just start off with a piece of paper i'm telling you you can type all you want it's not going to absorb start with a piece of paper and you write like your objective right at the top right at the top of the page and then you write down like who is the person arriving you know other podcasters what's that kind of problem they have these dudes are overwhelmed with how long it takes to get research done. You know, like there's, there's, there's so much we can do here. We won't go deep. But, and then it's like, how does your project actually solve, like help them? How does it? And I mean, a big one with yours is like, it's a time server. You know, it's like su suggesting questions. Like there's all these things. You write it down, write it down, write it down. Okay, so all on paper. But now you're like, okay, so this person who's got this problem with researching is like, what do they truly want to see? you know um and and read in the page to be persuaded to act so that's just i mean let's just roll with yours a little bit is that you know you you've got the the SaaS that's gonna help you know you put in someone's linkedin and then it's gonna go through their timeline and it's gonna suggest you know what is it like working at that fund and like when you took the leap and then so on it's like like you said it's three steps ahead it's three steps ahead and it's suggesting all these topics for people great but what would 
what do I need to be convinced? You know, what would I need to truly be persuaded? So at this point, I'm like, who's using it? Who's using this thing? So it's difficult for you in the in the beginning. You know, you need your social proof. Um, but you've been hustling on the wings. You know, you're getting those people. You're getting those testimonials. So what would I truly want to see in that page? I want a big podcaster right at the top before I start scrolling, literally to tell me that he has saved time. Like that's it, like a time saving. That's what I want. So I'm not saying that you have that in your landing page, but that's going to be something you're going to aim towards. So when you eventually, you know, you're going to playing leap, you're going to get your small podcasters, you're going to build it. It's going to take, dude, it could take years. But what creates a good landing page is that, you know, it's going to have that opinion leader right at the top that's going to tell me. And so even seeing that, it's like I'm reading the testimony by someone I recognize that's just like me. I'm also a podcaster. He's a podcaster. He's bigger than me. I want to be like him. He's using this software. That form of social proof is like it's like a joker card in a deck. It's like you're not even reading the features. You're not even reading the taglines. Like people will tell you, you know, like, oh, tagline, identify their problem. Sure, sure, you can do all the stuff on the page. But that, that nugget is more important than 20 testimonials. So it's about trying to aim for, you know, as little as possible, as high quality as possible. Now, let's use an example just to try and, you know, teach us a little bit further is that imagine that testimonial was sitting in the middle of 20 testimonials, you know, not highlighted all the same font. Maybe it didn't even have an image of the person. Imagine that was sitting there in the middle. So the idea is you're actually trying to persuade with as little as possible, not as much as possible. Sure, you can get, you know, 20 testimonials that are all good, but then it becomes a little overwhelming. The good ones on surface. So one step to the, you know, the next step is probably asking yourself is that, you know, out of all these items, you know, which which testimonials, you know, match with any features. So it's like if one of the big features is, um, you know, head topic suggestion, you know, like, and that's a feature block you're talking about is, you know, here's your little bit of text talking about topic suggestion. Then next to it is a testimonial that says, wow, we're already five topics ahead than, than we would be within one second. Well, I mean, within 10 seconds, you know, we're already five topics in and it helps just snowball into so many good topics. So I'm saying is it is like positioning your content is very important, but when someone's in the journey of discovery and, you know, reading about features, how can someone just whisper in their ear and just back it up? So that's another part to a good landing page is it's very strategic where everything sits. Um, you know, obviously the, the nuances to landing page optimization are endless, but I want to end it off with something that I, I'm really big on at the moment. And is that there, there are three ways to sort of persuade someone in a good landing page. And you can either, you can either tell them, so you can say, Hey, my SAS is the best and it's going to save you time. You're telling them. Yeah. What's stronger than that is when other people tell them. So here's your testimonial. It says, Hey, this SAS is great and it saved me time. Okay. So that's stronger. So you can either tell them, you can get other people to tell them. And best of all is you can show them. The first thing I want to see pretty much on any landing page is I want to see what the UI looks like. So 
a great example in your case and it's very difficult to pull off but i'm telling you when you start re when you start investing in these sort of elements these visual transformations is when the mm. true magic happens on taking a great landing page to an excellent landing page and you would have a ui that just typed in maybe let's just use elon musk like the most generic example but you put elon musk example in linkedin and it press generates and then it just generated 10 topics like in the page within the same ui you're like that's exactly what it's going to look like for you so it's not about like oh we're going to generate topics or other people like it's amazing what the topic generator looks it shows you how fast it is it shows you how easy the ui is um and let's just say eventually you getting to uh, twitter and now twitter is now something you can enter in a username imagine just pumping in they're like enter in anyone's twitter username in our page and right there and then you can choose any person you want and then next thing you know it says processing maybe it takes 10 seconds and it goes people congratulated this person on this date mm. and this is likely to be their birthday so they this is their birthday you know it's like and it starts building yeah, yeah. up this profile and I'm just saying, like, I'm totally freestyling here. Like, I've, I'm making this up on the go. Yeah, yeah, but again, yeah. it's like, it's yeah. interactive. It's showing them. It's like, it's not just saying, hey, we will build up this profile just based on someone's Twitter username. It's like, let's go. It's, so it's breaking down the barrier to, to experience the brand. You know, a classic example people mm. um, know is the Tailwind CSS landing page. It's like right in the header above the fold. You know, you, you would see the code change. And it would just mm. change all the variables. And then next thing you know, the hero of the actual landing page would start transforming. And you just understood that it's just, you know, inline classes that would just start transforming, showing them. Imagine Tailwind CSS is like, we're better than Bootstrap. The second one, a little bit more, is the testimonial by someone who's built a, you know, he works for Amazon. And he's like, this is better than Bootstrap. It's really saving us time. The third one is like, this is how it works. So... Yeah, the, the holy grail is all three, sure. You've got to have good copywriting. You've got to have good social proof, but you really should invest in showing them. So love that. don't just tell them. Don't let others tell them. Show them. That's it. Show them. I love that. I love that. I think you just dropped like a gem in your last answer, which I think you should tweet about it. Probably I'll tweet about, you know, that tagging you. Social proof is like a joker card in a deck. It changes the game. It's so important. Social proof is such an, I've, I've actually literally built a SaaS product out of it. Yeah. It's such a, such a, such an important piece, you know, to the, to the whole game of building a landing page. And like you said, I think I have to also, uh, by the way, thank you for breaking down guest labs, <laughs> landing page, you know, in a way you're giving me pointers live. I love that too. I think it's really important that, uh, it's not perfect. And I think there is always room for improvement, right? Like you said, 100%. we're in the early stage. We don't have like a big podcast, like you said, name dropping about guest lab. Not yet. So we're just kind of like telling them how important it is. And it, it's kind of the, that evolution of the product. You know, the landing page should improve with your product as well. It's such an important thing. Uh, so just want to let people know that you're not going to figure out all the elements Rob said in one go. 100%. It's just like, you know, it's an evolution. So, and one uh, in, one I out. You know, when you get a really good testimonial, that's maybe we don't have to add it. 
Maybe we can remove, mm. you know, like just add it to your 10 and make it 11. Maybe we just get rid of the worst out of the 10 and it stays 10. Right. Or even right. four. Yeah. And then we get rid of one yeah. and we have four still. So I think position is very important. That's something I learned. I think social proof tagging along with the feature is a great positioning instead of having yeah. a like a separate, you know, social proof wall or yep. whatever people want to do it for testimonials. That's clever too. Like, so I think probably I'm going to like, you know, steal that after this. A uh, couple of more things. One is I definitely oh, yeah. have to talk about Yo. Uh, w- what made you, so you're already, you know, knee deep inside one page low. I wouldn't say knee deep, like you're basically dipping yourself into one page low. What made you start a podcast? And I know it's not like a, like a traditional way you do your podcast, meaning launch, like left, right, center. You're very cautious, very careful about picking the guests and you do a good damn research. Like if Derek server says that you've asked one of the profound questions to him, that means like, you know, you're in another league. So talk to me about you. I was stoked when you said that. (laughs) How did it all start? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I saw that and I'm like, okay. Now I have to ask about Rob about like, you know, yo. So yo, talk to me about it and uh, talk to me about your research. I'm just curious about how you go at length about going deep in, you know, inside a guest mind and, you know, asking them profound questions. Okay. So that's just, you know, just summarize how yo got to um, a podcast is that in 2018, I started a YouTube show. Um, very interesting part of my life where one page love was doing really well and i had a lot of like a lot of not of time but i had now quitted freelance and i was not challenged creatively um i sure i had one page love but i was adding one pages it was doing great and i asked myself you know in my career and in my journey it's like what could i do now that could really challenge me so on the first of January. 2018 i told myself rob you have never used a camera before you've never edited you have one month 30 days and you got to create a youtube show and that youtube show was called yo um it was the best month of my life work-wise i've never learned so much and that pretty much set up you know skills when it comes to editing and you know i i connected with so many people but it's we won't we won't spend a lot of time on that but that was my creative outlet um released it was so wild because i just tried try to create the youtube show i'd want to watch design music punk rock color dev finds but every episode took about 40 hours i would script it myself film it myself edit and some of them would do great some of them didn't but i remember when it launched like there was nothing like it at the time and i remember i think i got 2000 subscribers in the first day or something on youtube 2018 and it was i was like at that point i was like i'm a youtuber wow. dude like i'm gonna be a youtuber and what happened <laughs> is that i sort of i got a sponsor immediately flywheel they were just like dude we love this can we please sponsor i think they sponsored i can't remember it was it was a lot it was most of the season so at the time it wasn't going to be a season it was just going to be a youtube show every week and I would just do it again and again and again and again. The editing got better. The lighting got better. As soon as the sponsor came, I bought lights. Um, 
But that when the traffic sort of plateaued, when it's not you take you're not taking it to a different place where you're not evolving. I wasn't exactly collabing or you know interviewing people and so on. It was just like I was curating design and development finds. That was it. Think about like what's news. And the problem with putting forty hours into a YouTube video is that it doesn't. It, it, problem with putting 40, 40 hours into that style of YouTube video is that it didn't age well. Like Yo thirteen. No one was watching that, you know, when Yo 20 was out. Um, and so it's like it didn't age well. And there was a lot of time and it didn't mess. Anyway, so when the traffic started to plateau, that's when the burnout hit. And the burnout was serious, serious, serious. I did 30 episodes in 30 weeks. And at that point, I just called it. I was like, let's call this a season, season one. And mm. at that point, you know, it, it grew a cool following. The Yo brand was sort of known as sort of the Yo newsletter. and I took some proper time off and I asked myself, like, am I going to try and create another YouTube show um, in a different style or am I going to try and do something different? And basically the show pivoted into a podcast. It's, it's, it, again, it's just, it, Yo is my creative outlet and I ticked that box with creating a YouTube show. I, doing more of the same and trying to do the long slog, it's just something I didn't want to do. What I hadn't done is created a podcast and podcasting was pretty big back then. And I was like, you know what? This could be quite cool. And I had my connections through One Page Love. And AJ from Card was someone that everyone knew, but no one had ever seen his face or heard his voice. Like that was yeah. something. He's I like thought the, to myself, yeah, I, I thought to myself, he's like, like the Daft Punk of. Uh, he's he's literally of developers. And <laughs> I just thought to myself and I said, you know what, man? Let's, let's go for the shot. And I was like, if we're going to do this, I want to do this properly. And I, and the episode one was with AJ. It took a lot of persuading. I offered to buy him a microphone and all this stuff. He's like, no, don't worry about it. And like, <laughs> you know, also because one pages were big and Carter was a one page yeah. website builder. Like yeah. I had that, at least I had that leverage mm -hmm. and I launched a show and it just, it was just a great start because everyone's like, no ways. I didn't, I didn't even know AJ was a human, you know, like he, so my, the episode now, when I listen back to it, I, I struggle because it's like, it's very awkward and slow and the editing is not great. I mean, it's fine, but um, it was the first one I ever did and it's got better and better over the years. But to answer your question is that every guest that I've had on the show, I'm a big fan of, and I mm -hmm. understand how the podcast game works where we use one guest to leverage sort of the next or at least the next season and so on and we on our way to you know jeff bezos or and elon musk and stuff but <laughs> i've never had the intention of being a full-time podcaster it's like i was doing it to hang out and interact with people that i admire exactly like you just said now you know before we were going you said yeah. you've been following one picture love for ages like this is fantastic this is a great time um, i'm sitting here in the bottom of africa man you know we're having a good time yeah. and like people will interact with me after listening to this it's, it's just a great format so mm. when I get to, you know, to chat to you know, a lot of heroes of mine and ask how they do things, it's, it's great as well. You know? Like we're saying about sharing the love when it comes to one-page love, even within um, the episodes, I'll try to share a little story or something, but very light and it's all about the guest, but try add a little value and then ask them, why aren't you? It's like, dude, you, you just launched a digital product, but you didn't send a newsletter. Like, why didn't you do that? Like, I'm so interested in that. And by me being a product builder, having built a lot of startups, having quit freelance, like I feel like I do have 
and not an edge, but I can ask a good question. And but I'm curious. I care. I've been following every single one of my guests for years. So when it comes to like the curation of the questions and designing it, again, I'm I'm trying to be creative. So I ask myself, like, what kind of podcasts would they enjoy being on? And a lot of the time is like, I'll listen to all their podcasts. I'll devour their catalog. And then if they have talked about something a lot, I would, I will literally go in the interview and saying, Hey, so you did this and this and this, I'm not going to talk about it. Um, but I'm going to link to it below. I'm interested in this and this and this, and they really appreciate that. So uh, again, it's like, how can we make this fun and exciting? And I want to be creative is that I will, you know, create a game. Like, how can we create a game with audio? You know, we're going to do an intermission. We're going to have music. So I created a very like unsustainable format for a podcast because the research is insane. It's so intense. It's devouring the catalog. It's running with it in the mountains. It's driving with it. It's making notes. Right. It's reading it back. It's, it's hating it. I'm like, this, this sucks. Going back a week later, that's, that's cool. And then it's about reaching out to the community and going, you know, which of the community do you think would like to know something from them? DMing them, going, hey, I got this guest, you know, exhausting. You know, like the person's like, oh, I'll send you an audio bite soon because I want the media to make the show more rich. I want their voice in there. I want the guest to hear the voice. No one sends me the bite. So like everything is like quite a battle. Time, time, time. Do you announce a guest? And then, they, then all of a sudden they don't have any more time. I mean, you know this game, like, you, like you, you've been in it, but for me, yep. because I admire the person so much, it really helped get it over the line. But some people have reached out to me and going like, hey, you should really get that person on your podcast. And I'm like, I don't even know this person. Like, that sounds crazy to me. I'm not going to put 40, 50, 60 hours into this. People forget after the episode's done, the distribution. It's like, we've got the newsletter, we've got the tweets, we've got the clips. It's like, it's a big, big game. Um, so I got to really admire the person. And also, it's great to spotlight them. It's great for them to feel stoked as well. Makes our relationship better. Um, so to ask your question about the research, it's massive. It's a huge journey. And often when I'm so deep, it's like you question everything. Like I'll be completely honest to anyone out there like listening is that, you know, having a podcast, you know, I ask myself, do I even want to be a podcast host, you know, full time? Absolutely mm. not. So why are you doing a podcast? Oh, because, oh, it's, it's sorry. Yeah, it's the, the thumb from the apple. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's because, you know, I like the people. I've, I feel like it's, it helps my personal brand. I'll be honest about that as well. It's like, it's great. Again, sitting in Africa, like a lot of these people operating out there, I, f I feel like I'm not doing things, you know, even though I'm doing great stuff and I've, I'm, I'm happy with what I've done, I still feel left out. And here I am chatting to them. Wonderful. They start sharing the interview with their audience. And to kind of answer why I put in so much effort is you get to, you know, to have one of the guests or a lot of the guests tell me that that was sort of the best podcast they had been on. It's like, it mm. really gives me that wholesome feeling as well going like, Hey, you know, I like, I'm glad I did that, but it's just like a kind of loose interview, just doing a whole bunch every single day. We interviewing someone, you don't truly know the person. It's just not a game I want to play. So less is more mm. with the podcast. Try make it more timeless. Try unlock the personality with the questions. Um, when you dig up something that they're like, wow, 
how did you know that? that then it's just like for me that's it man like you've just now we're on the next phase of this podcast it's like we can really start enjoying ourselves um hot ones yeah. is my favorite show ever on youtube where they eat the chicken wings they interview people like <laughs> yes sean sean yeah. he's he's pretty much the best interviewer i in my personal opinion and how they right. unlock a different side of celebrities is absolutely phenomenal so i've yeah. been trying to create the podcast i want to listen to but yeah next season is sponsored by webflow and they they reached out and they said they really appreciate how much effort i put in and they want mm. to help me take it into a video format so we're talking full video interviews um yesterday i met with a guy who's helping with the yo animation um i'm well. busy researching more beats dude it, i nice. gotta be creative here like i it's it's <laughs> you know where i'm getting at but it's like with me if i'm not sort of like pushing the level then it's maybe i don't really want to do it i love that no i think it's you know one thing i can relate so much to you when you talked about um i'm doing this for selfish reasons is because it's just amazing to talk to someone who you never met who who you have no idea like you know how they will be on camera and you get to build a conversation that is a phenomenal thing to chase at least to me that's why i do it like even you i never met you i know you from afar i'm a fan uh been following your work but that is just limited that's just like in a box what yeah. we're doing is kind of we're, we're playing like you said in your words we're kind of having fun talking to each other right and i recently uh, listened to this clip from naval uh, on his uh, startup air chat mm. everybody should be on it it's so amazing he says which i'm kind of trying these days going uh, i used to be like you know, like research hard not that intense i used to spend like at least like 6 to 10 hours on a person on a guest how they're like you know thinking dig back and you know all that but he said something that actually changed a little bit of what how i'm doing podcast in even today i'm not you know i didn't do that much research i have to acknowledge yeah no great he Love said he said a, a, a great podcast is a good conversation between two people who want to talk to each other that's it no agenda wow so good that's it it's 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 the end and it's it's the thing that you need to explore together so you're bringing something to the table as a guest i'm bringing something to the table as a host so he eliminates first of all there is no guest and host you just talk to each other that's it you you're you're happening to record this so that other people can listen but that thing should be you know that should, you should you should really shelf that thought and really have a good time so i stopped kind of researching and fully 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 uh, involving myself into the conversation so all the questions i asked is based out of your answers like you know so just being curious about how you deliver and what can i find so i, I think can learn one from thing you, man. that's something that i've been trying these days in the last couple of episodes it's been coming out great like really great so uh that's one thing i'm just like you know exploring you know with you as well today talking about competition i never would have asked about competition if i would have researched you 
because i would have asked something else about like you know all that jazz which is amazing you know there is not nothing wrong but i'm yeah, yeah. so glad that i asked about competition then you delivered an incredibly profound answer to me and i hope listeners will kind of you know get the same thing uh but i love i love the the love the intention rob i just want to mention that like it's yeah, so yeah. intentional i think these conversations the things that you do at yo and i see i brought arvid call recently that guy is damn intentional like so yeah. intentional i think the intentionality plays a lot uh of course there is jazz around distribution you know tactics which are you mm. know which is amazing which you all should follow but i think you should start you should start with intention so i love that um you being so intentional about who you choose what you do what you ask how do you release even though it's like a lot of work so appreciate you for doing that uh one more thing i want to ask about you which is surfing you've been doing surfing for 25 freaking years i don't know how yeah. <laughs> and i watched this show i so first thing i i have no clue about surfing i just yeah. know people surf that's it i don't know about like the the dynamics the the sport itself is such a big industry itself until i watched this show on hbo 100 foot wave ridiculously inspiring it's like so freaking inspiring to me i keep on going back to that documentary back and back and again wow the i guy haven't Garrett seen it you should you know watch it people have told that me about this it's so good it's so good the reason i want to bring that show is because the 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 main spotlight is on this legend you know it right you know him yeah yeah and that's definitely garrett mcnamara he's a legend in the sport and he talks a lot about surfing but on a life's note it's not about just the sport he talks a lot about how the you know sport influenced in his particular life how it reminded him being young how he should pursue how should how he should be patient when when there is swell when there mm. is no swell mm. versus and when should give up meaning when should move on like with his age and everything and how he yeah. impacted his family and all so my question to you you've been doing this 25 years how much of surfing impacted you as a person as an entrepreneur as a founder and what are some things that you implement on a day to day on a on a month to month year to year basis learning from from that great sport what a fantastic question so just to i'm going to bring it right back in and it's related is that you know you talk about the conversation between two people a podcast and we put down the barriers and we just like you know getting value from each other so it's just i'm so glad you know we we got to do this podcast cuz i can see i'm going to be i'm be in your dms and i'm going to be like asking you like hey man so like when you did that what did you think of this i am actively seeking advice to be a better podcast host and i'm also trying to help free up time and streamline things and i'm just I want to learn from you. Like that's definitely something that you've got more episodes, like you're doing a fantastic job. Um I just want to say well done there just before like we you know forget to oh, appreciate to you. at least acknowledge appreciate that. It. So like and I'm just so glad that 
you mentioned that you know we're we're similar people and we're both on a journey we're both building things but there's there's such a unique thing about choosing to put something online and then you know be vulnerable and get feedback fail etc cetera, etc cetera. and then here we are so it's like we're both sort of these internet dabblers and here we are just having this conversation we've also created a podcast we're obviously curious people we also want to ask questions yep. and like by doing that you've sort of like carved out a corner of the internet and here we are so by your actions you've found your people like that's where we are so with surfing it's it's it it molded my entire life it, it, most of my decisions leading up to now you know i would say pre pre-kid were like kind of surf related you know it's like it's the reason mm. it's a huge reason why i still live in cape town in south africa is because we have fantastic surf you know a lot of it you can call selfish sure but it keeps you young it gets you offline um, to take a break from an edit and be in the sea where absolutely no one is on a phone and everyone's just looking at each other, smiling, you're going on this wave. Um, sure, there's a competitive side to surfing as with everything, but it's taken me around the world. Um, I've you know been to Indonesia, I've surfed France, I've surfed Portugal, and a lot of those reasons why um, you go to those places is because like the end goal is to try and surf like a little funny rock in the middle of the sea just for like <laughs> half a day but the big takeaway and to answer your question is that surfing has really made me acknowledge that it's about the journey in the middle where surfing is about getting to the wave i've surfed namibia you know it's like i i will go and i will research we will look at charts the the swell charts the storms will come in but now we start interacting with friends and we're like oh my word um did you see that chart just like the storm was really big in south america you know so nerdy on these things but we're just like feeding off each other and it's like the richest, most stimulating interaction you can have is this sort of anticipation that maybe it's going to hit Namibia at a certain angle. And then all of a sudden it starts getting closer and closer. And then you're like, we have to go. And, I, and then everyone's like, I can't, dude. I got work, man. It's like, no ways, dude. Like X, Y, Z. And then it's like, but what if it doesn't come again, man? Like, what if, like, next you know, we're like, we're dead. You know, it's like, like we got to go. So all of a sudden we start like building up this hype. It's, we start saying, oh my, do you see on social media, this guy just hopped on a plane in Hawaii. He's going to be at Namibia in two days. You know, we, ha we are lucky because we're just flying from South Africa as a direct flight three hours. Guys are leaving. So I'm right. you know, still working. Guys are leaving. Guy leaves from Tahiti. And like, <laughs> we're just sharing. It's like this live broadcast of people chasing a swell. We get to Namibia. You're at the airport and you just see surfboards. You call them surfboard coffins. They're like these big bags that look like right. coffins because they're filled yeah. with so many surfboards. You just see mm -hmm. coffins everywhere. And you're like, oh my word, who's here? Who's here? That guy's a professional. There's a photographer. And mm. it's this excitement. It's this hype. But, the, but where I'm getting at is that you'll get to the wave. You know, I'm talking a higher car. You're driving through the desert. It's like there's jackals on the beach. There's skeletons. It's like there's misty. You'll get there and you'll surf 10 waves for a week of anxiety and stress. But the whole thing was that you were with your friends. 
you were stimulated, you were absorbed in it. And like, there's not many things you can do in your life that you are so, you know, it's so stimulating. So there you get your wave and sure, you can get the best wave of your life. Um, but then mm. again, Portugal, it's like Spain. There's like, you're chatting to friends. Your friends are in England and you're like, have you been to this place at this time? Um, so it's a narrative. That's where I'm getting at is that surfing right. is a, is this ongoing thing with a with a wave that is never the same storms change swells are all different mm -hmm. it couldn't be more exciting but like where's the transition in my life is that i've learned that you know i love bird watching it's something i'm big on and it's like you see the bird for 10 seconds but it's about getting there it's like oh my word did you see it arrived in a certain place like a rare bird it's about taking mm -hmm. that journey it's about chatting to the people afterwards so Exactly like this podcast. It's like maybe the best part about this podcast is going to be the narrative we have forever afterwards. You know, it's, it's, love that. it's, it's just that it's not truly about surfing the wave surfing. It's like, it's amazing, but it's everything else. It's about the friendships. Mm. It's about the walk down the long beach. It's about the injury. It's about the, yeah, it's the flights. It's yeah. So the reason why I'm still in, in South Korea, a big reason, it's obviously family, but a second one is just, I get to surf. So, yeah, it's a that. direct answer. Surfing is the big reason why I'm still doing what I'm doing. I love that. I think there is something that you, I don't know if you knowingly delivered the answer. A lot of what we do is also narrative, right? 100%. It's not about launching that product or a, or a business or a YouTube channel or a podcast or a newsletter. It's really about like, you know, process of getting there. I the think middle. that is the fun part, right? That is where I think uh, I'm just deriving, you know, what you said. It's about designing that logo, coming with that name for a product, finding those features, like writing copy if, in this landing page as an example. The month of creating the Yo! YouTube show, acknowledging that what I knew on the 5th of January, I knew nothing. And then I get to the mm. 6th of January and I'm like, wow, now I'm on my way. Then you get to the 10th of January, like on the 6th of January, I knew nothing. On the 9th, I learned nothing. It's about that process of just committing to it, getting completely absorbed in the process, the middle, learning from it. Guys, can you check out this edit? Someone will reply and go, dude, the audio is disgusting. Un <laughs> unplayable. Okay, we learn. We go in again. That process is much better than hitting the, the publish button. Yeah. I think I love it. I think that's something that, you know, as, as founders, we all should uh, remind ourselves now and then it's about that. I think there, if you find joy, if you even didn't find joy when you hit publish or it didn't work out, you will still end up having, you know, a lot of joy because you've built this from exactly. nowhere, from zero to one. Exactly. Uh, Rob, I love, I love this conversation so much. I didn't expect anything of this. I just, you know, free floated with you. You were such an amazing guest. I'm so glad that, you know, you, you came to the show. I think it happened for a reason at this time. You know, we were kind of in this mindset. We have so many similarities, side projects, totally. being podcast hosts. And there is a bit of, you know, taste in it. There is a bit of curation, love for curation, love for design, and love for, you know, going going for a long run right like let's let's do this 10 years 20 years 30 years and hopefully like you know 
inspire one or two people along the way i think that's the whole goal uh absolutely any closing thoughts anything that you want to you know uh talk um, to our use uh, listeners before we wrap it up yeah i mean so much to say we haven't even talked about uh india not make not making that world cup oh was, yes they were they were they were meant to win man <laughs> i'm so sorry um but but for real though is that you you just got to acknowledge that like often playing the victim is it's it's the easy easy thing to think yeah. it sucks everyone's got it difficult i understand can't judge anyone until you truly walked in their shoes but just acknowledge that m- most times where i stepped up and i said i was the one in the way of where i wanted to be and i stepped aside is when i really started to progress so that's something that i keep close is that as soon as you kind of starting to make excuses um you just need to like kind of get out the way cuz like you know what you really want to do and you just got to make that happen so step out the way and go get it i love that i think that's that's the best way to close this out and uh appreciate you rob appreciate you so much and thank you so much for the listeners you know we love you well, we we did this, this far you know for you yes um <laughs> i hope you got something out of it really appreciate it i know um uh, That's it. That's a wrap and we'll we'll all meet you uh on the next one. Have amazing, you know, lineup like Rob coming on the show. Uh, like we're going to have amazing conversations. <laughs> Do that all the jazz. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for having me and asking such great questions. Appreciate you. All right. Cheers guys. Cheers.